Welcome to the things they don't tell black people about law school. We are two first-generation cis black women at a T20 law school. And we are here to share things that we wish we knew or things that we wish people talked about. This is just our perspective based on our experiences. And today we're going to be talking about submitting your applications, acceptance, rejections, and scholarships. Um, But specifically, I did you do early decision? I did not. I applied regular because I don't like committing myself to one thing. I did. I did for one school and they rejected me so fast. That's the nice thing about early decision, though, is um, I don't know if that was nice. I was like, Berkeley, take me. And they came (laughs) back in a week. And I was like, did you guys even have time to read the application? (laughs) It helped you get your priorities together because you were like, well, that's one less thing I got to worry about. (laughs) It's a little bit of a slap in the face when you're telling somebody like, I want this so bad. I'm not going to consider anything else. And they're like, clean, no. (laughs) But to that being said, I only did one. And as early decision works, you can only do one. I think there was like another factor where I was only willing to get one application ready for early decision because I took the LSAT in August and I don't think I got my scores in time to do anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was part of it for me. That's their loss. Oh, thank you. In our gain. How many schools did you apply for? I believe I applied. I just pulled up my little spreadsheet. I applied for 14 schools. Oh, you have like an exact number. Well, you know, Excel tells you the numbers on the side and I just subtracted one. Let me see. I know <laughs> I applied it. I applied for a lot. I did 14 because um, as these students will figure out, uh, law school admission applications are expensive. They are. So all I can see on my list is 17. And my yeah. I didn't do an organized like spreadsheet because, uh, you know, just made a little, I don't know, scrappy. I took a screenshot of the LSAC application website (laughs) (laughs) and then I put uh, I had a symbol for if I had already applied Mm -hmm. and then I had symbols for accepted, rejected. And then I had a second set of symbols for full uh, full scholarships and scholarships that were under 50 percent and scholarships that were above 50 percent, but not 100. Yeah, I um. Tried to, that's interesting way to keep track. I was a little bit like more specific, but mostly because I like was keeping track of passwords and stuff too, because I couldn't remember them. And then I kept track of like, um, some of them had like separate like aid application portals. And so I kept track of those, like who I submitted that through, kept track of like the status, also like the deadlines for things I wanted to keep track of, what fees I had paid, just so I could keep track of how much money I'd lost along this process, Mm -hmm. um, as well as the scholarships that were given to me. And I'm glad I put the exact numbers in here because I'm looking at these numbers now and I'm like, there are some schools that should be ashamed of themselves. Like they are low ranked schools. They gave me $8,000 in scholarship. Honestly, that was one of the funniest (laughs) things to me. Cause like I applied, so I I definitely spaced out the rankings of the schools that I applied Mm -hmm. to. And some people are like, it's not always about ranking. And that is totally true. And I've talked about how I based it off of where do I want to be, but I also looked at like the bar passage. So I looked at this, where they were located again, not really into like 
you know, you got to choose your racism in America. Mm -hmm. And I just don't want to be called the N word in public. Mm -hmm. But um, so I looked at the city where they were. And I also looked at their bar passage rate. Well, this was after I got accepted, to be fair. I looked at their bar passage rate for the states that I knew that I wanted to live in. And I've lived in several different states. And I was like, okay, I know I want to settle in one of these because I have communities there. So if they don't have a high bar passage rate for that bar, I'm not probably not going to go there. Mm-hmm. But in addition to that, um, I also looked at like their website and diversity. Some Pay attention to that. Because yeah. people do not value diversity. You can look yeah. on their mission statement. And I think that is people overlook that. Like, yeah, you can blindly apply to some schools, but don't get into some school and then be like, they don't value diversity. Two <laughs> percent of the students are black because like that was on you um, to do that kind of research. So you should definitely research the schools that you're looking into. Yeah, I totally agree. It, um, and it, all of those things are super important and were things that I cared about. And additionally, I would also say another thing I wanted to pay attention to was like, where do people who graduate from the school work after they graduate? Like, mm-hmm. is everybody staying in the city that they're in or staying in the state that they're in? Or are they going to a city that I think I would want to be in? Because I kind of can't, like, stay in one place or stay, you know, I kind of want to be able to, like, move around, explore opportunities. And I didn't want to put myself in a position where I was limited because I chose to go to a school that had a very, very niche reach. Mm-hmm. And if I fell in love with the city, oh, that would be great. But what if I got there and I hated it? That wouldn't yeah. be great. And so I was like, that's important to me. I want to pay attention to that. Um, and so I did. And on that note, I didn't, you, well, for me, I did not, I wasn't fixed on going to a school that I had to, like a school in a state that I had to live in. Um, you're, you're mobile, like, you it's for the most part like your degree is portable well the degree that we have is going to be very portable and that's something you should pay attention to um a little tip if you are interested in or live in wisconsin and want to go to school in wisconsin you do not have to take the wisconsin state bar to practice there once you graduate from law school you just go into practice um, so if you have no interest in taking the bar, and I guess to not make any assumptions, the bar exam is the final exam that you have to take in a state to be a practicing lawyer. We'll probably talk about this later, but there is a universal bar exam that is available for like a set of states. Um, but it is something that I was thinking about. People told me not to base where I went to law school based on the bar exam, but you should definitely look at the passage rates. Oh yeah. The passage rate is super important. And then, like you said, it, it just really is what your priorities are for me. I've always been the person of like, I don't necessarily want to live in the city where I'm going to school afterwards. And so it's important to me for me to have a degree that can go with me. Exactly. I wholeheartedly agree. All right. You made a really good point about the fact that you had like a range of schools that you applied to um, in the sense that you, you know, had you thought about rankings. Can you, you know, I don't really know what my range was looking at the list of things. I don't really know. So like kind of how did you figure out what range you were going to apply to? So um I was getting like mailers and emails from a variety of schools. And when a school would email me, I would immediately look up their ranking. 
Um, I probably did have some kind of word doc, even though I said I took a screenshot, but one of the lowest ranked schools that I went to was like a hundred and like 40 something. And there's 190. And you submitted the application? 100%. It was free. Also, if a school is going to allow you to submit an application for free and all you need to do is change some words in your statement, why not? Send it off. It is. Yeah. But oh, I wasn't saying that as a value judgment. I just was oh. just clarifying to make sure you submitted the application. I mean, there. I didn't feel bad. Yeah. So I submitted <laughs> like any school that was like, yes, you need to come here. I was like, sure. Let me see what you'll offer me because I wanted to be able to have the option to go to school for com- like completely free. And I knew mm-hmm. some schools would offer me that option. But I also wanted to make sure that I was in a challenging environment. And I had this conversation with my dad. It, it really comes down to do you want to be a big fish in a little pond or a little fish in a big pond. And I would prefer generally to be a little fish in a big pond because I'll be around people who will challenge how I think about the world and also like put me in a more competitive environment. And that's important to me, but it all comes down to what you want to do. You don't have to- I totally agree. I totally agree. I've never been, I actually had, it was interesting. I had friends who were like, I 100% want to be, I want to know I'm the smartest person at this school or like one of the smartest people at the school. And I'm like, no, I want to be someone who's surrounded by people who are way smarter than me. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I like to fuel off of people. I like to be around people I can learn from. Yeah. So I would say that I applied pretty much to every T14 school unless they were in a location that was like I am not going to live here Mm -hmm. or not live there but I don't want to be in that environment based off the experiences that I've had in that city Um, but I applied to mid-range schools or mid-rank schools I guess you could say so anything that was below a t14 to like something in the 30s and then um, I think the lowest I went other than that school that was like 140 something that's not funny. If you get your law degree, wherever you want to get your law degree, that is none of my business or anybody else's, because honestly, we might be working in the same office. But with that being said, um, I my ranges were like number one to maybe like 60 or like mid 50s. That's interesting. OK, I yeah, I don't think my range was that wide. I think my range was, was huge. I picked uh, so I kind of approached it the same way I approached uh undergraduate applications which probably wasn't the best idea but I was like let's do a couple here a couple top a couple middle a couple bottom and let's see what happens um and so I kind of went from there but you know it makes sense it makes sense I like it so we um talked about like a range of schools but I know we both work um in the admissions office at our school so are there like any misconceptions that you believe the applicants have from yes that if your score is below the minimum score that they post on the website or your gpa is below the minimum gpa that you shouldn't apply that is not true especially as if you are a diverse candidate first generation black or person of color um any like gender that is like misrep underrepresented that is underrepresented you should apply uh, again, don't don't say no for other people. Let them tell you no. Um, but with that being said, I know like because we work in admissions, we oftentimes have to. <laughs> we oftentimes, I'm sorry. We oftentimes have to attend events or host events 
So do you want to share some of like what that looks like and what students or prospective students should be attending? Yeah, I think my biggest piece of advice, I said, I've said my biggest piece of advice this whole time, but like, <laughs> I would say a big piece of advice I have is you should be attending as many of the admissions events that you can. You should absolutely be um, attending things that they offer. If they're like, hey, I know that you checked that you're a part of this affinity group. They're hosting a panel. You should go to it. Um, uh, if you, you know, are worried about like, you know, trying to figure out like, oh, I don't know what the professors are like. Go to Admitted Students Weekend if you can to hear professors speak. Really, any admissions events that are offered, I would 100% say take advantage of it. Um, they were so valuable for me. I learned a lot from current students. Some of them I kept in touch with once I got to school. Mm. So I was able to learn more. Um and we just went to an open house where exactly. you met, uh, was she admitted? No, she woman? was um, at, She was in the process of applying. She had applied and was waiting to hear back. And honestly, the people who handle the or read the applications at our school or at those events. So getting FaceTime with them is invaluable. Yeah, like, it's super helpful. It's helpful yeah. in the application process. And it's helpful when you're making your decision about whether you should go there or not, because then you've interacted with the people who work there, who go to school there and all that stuff. So it's really helpful. And then. And these are the people who decide if you get in and exactly. they are there at the event. Like it completely removes another layer. Exactly. Absolutely. I what about totally panels agree. and such? I so valuable, so valuable. The one of the panels I attended when I was an admitted student was a panel put on by the Black Law Students Association at our school. And I didn't know any of them. They didn't know me. Um, they were giving, I'm from the city where our school is located, and they were giving some, like, misguided information about that. So I was, like, on the call both correcting them about that, but also learning <laughs> from them. Um, and I on the call, I learned that there are pools of money that the schools have that are, like, if you apply and you get a scholarship, a lot of people are, like, that's it. Got my scholarship. I'm done. Mm -hmm. This is it. They were, like, absolutely not there's a secret application that they don't tell people about. Mm -hmm. Please make sure you ask for that application. So my, me, I saw, I got my scholarship letter. The next day I was like, hey, this isn't going to work for me. I would love to attend this school, but I just can't make it work. Can you help me out? Boom. We don't usually tell people about this, but here's a form. Fill it out. We'll see what we can do. And I was so upset when I found out that that existed because it was so late in the process. Like I was accepted probably early spring. And I think I, yeah, I applied like after the new year and I was accepted early spring, it's probably like February. But I found out about this form in July and I was like, I need some more money. I know your eyes mm -hmm. just got so big. I was like, <laughs> I need some more money. And they're like, yeah, sorry, there's none left. I was like, Damn. And you have to be quick because like I got accepted in December. So but I didn't get my scholarship information until around February, March. Right. Mm -hmm. And so moment I got it, I sent that email and was like, hey, this. And then I also always tell people, make it an email and a phone call, email mm -hmm. for your records, phone call for the personal aspect of it, because it's harder to say no to a pleading voice that sounds like it might have tears on the other side. Um than it is to say no to an email, but you should always send emails to keep track for your records. 
I wholeheartedly agree. And like another thing that I recently learned this week, because, you know, even as a 2L, I don't know if we said this, but we are 2Ls. I went, <laughs> I have gone to administration's <laughs> office like every week for the last two and a half weeks. And I'm like, I need some more money. I need some more money. And the same story is that after you matriculate, they kind of treat it as a contract. Yeah. Like we are, you are signing on to attend here for this and we will give you this amount of money for six semesters. And they're like, after you matriculate, we don't evaluate, reevaluate whether people drop out or nothing. I don't know where that money goes, but it's not going to go to a student. Exactly. And um, I even had someone at our school tell me, because I don't know if our school is, I don't know if our school is different in that way, because there are some, our school, someone told me they were like, actually, the reason we do this is because our scholarships aren't based on grades. So you don't have to maintain a minimum GPA to keep your scholarship to go to our school. And there are some schools you may get accepted into that will be like, in order to keep the scholarship, you have to maintain above a 3.2 or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so our school is like, because we don't require you to have a minimum GPA to keep the scholarship, we are not renegotiating your scholarship with you. Mine is a 2.5. Well, I think I, that there is a minimum scholarship to stay enrolled in good academic <laughs> standing. Um, but if you got a scholarship through the law school, there is no minimum GPA on there. We do have good academic standing. We can talk about this later, but yeah. it's 3.0. Yeah, so um, there's good academic. Just, so they're like kind of lying to you anyway. Yeah. But we do know people who have survived multiple, you know, at least one semester without being in good academic standing. Why well, you gotta um, put them on blast like that? I didn't say their name. You said survived I, like this they're on an island. I, I would love to say their name, but I I'm not. <laughs> um, but I just think that. It, you know, they they use that as a justification for not, you know, allow you to reevaluate your scholarship. Well, since we're on the topic of like admissions and attending events, I know we've covered scholarships already, but in terms of interviews. So I was interviewed by our school before I came. It was a pleasant interview. I will say I did like a lot of research. Mm -hmm. Um, because I was looking up what kind of questions they'll ask you. So were you interviewed and did you have, like, did you have questions prepped? What did that look like? The prep, the yeah. interview and post? Yeah. So I prepped for my interview for law school. Like I prepped for all interviews, um, which is a lot. And so my thing was, I had a series of questions that I was like, these are questions they may ask that I was prepared to ask. I think the most important thing to me in an interview is because I'm pretty good about thinking quickly on my feet to be able to answer questions, but I'm not necessarily great about thinking of questions to ask them. So mm -hmm. I think I always recommend having questions prepared to ask the interviewers as well beyond like, well, when will I hear back? Yeah, that's a great question to ask. You should ask that, but also be prepared to ask like, you know, so, you know, what do you all look for in a candidate or like what, who do you see as being the eye, you know, someone who succeeds at this school or who is mm -hmm. someone, what is the experience or, you know, what kind of person really has a great experience when they go to school here? Make them thoughtful questions. Like I, like I said, I did research because I wanted them to know that I was interested in the school. Um, it's a good school. And part of that was seeing like what clinics they offered. Mm -hmm. I looked up any, I looked up, I think I did like 
our school's professors. And I looked up some standout professors. I'm generally drawn to like women and women of color, but I found a professor who's like an expert in her field. And I watched like YouTube videos of her speech and looked into what clinic she ran. In addition to that, I looked up statistics for the city that we're in, because if I'm going to do a clinic for the work that I was looking to do, I'm like, Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that I'm helping specifically Black people. And I think that the clinic offered the city and the clinic offered a really good opportunity to do that. I'm like very passionate about black progression and helping black people. And I brought that up in the interview. And I think, I mean, I'm, I'm in, but I think it uh-huh. impressed the interviewer because, because I did research and they do ask you questions like, why do you want to go to this school in particular? And if you don't mention that in your statement, which I advise you to do, and if you don't, you should do an addendum. But you should have a real answer and you should know something about the city. They want you to be intentional. They just don't want to, they don't want to know that they're just on a list in an Excel sheet that you just hit a submit. Exactly. Exactly. I a hundred percent agree. And they've told, yeah, they've told us that like when we advise applicants, because I work, I, well, last semester I was working on application materials for applicants and they were like, make sure that applicants know these things. So you all are getting all the good nuggets. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I think, um, Another piece of that is like a question is a question is usually like people are afraid after interviews to know, like, how much should I communicate? Like, how much should I be reaching out to the admissions office? And I think going off of that is as long as it's thoughtful communication, Mm -hmm. you you should reach out as much as you feel necessary. Now, don't email them every week and be like, hey, what's up? How you doing? Or be (laughs) like formal. Yeah, these aren't your friends. Exactly. They really aren't. They're honestly they're your enemies you, you know you're at war you're trying to get about in. that I don't know about that That's no they're not war. your enemies <laughs> but you're trying to get in and you're trying to get the most money you can so but don't say like how much money can you give me like yeah you, you know approach it with tact exactly uh, and find a way to massage these things so yeah I think if as long as you're reaching out and you're like hi you know I applied and I would you know love to you know learn hear more about when I expect to can hear back or when can I expect to hear back is there anything I should you know be working on and that type of thing so it's good to good to think about you know when you're in the admissions process I totally agree so I guess when so you you've interviewed they offer you, they're like, we want you here. We're going to give you all the money you ask for. Then what? Then it's time to decide. Um, and we've got to figure out, we've got to figure out um, what to decide, how to decide, what's going to be important to you. Um, so I think it would be cool for us to share uh, what we, how we made the decision, how we chose our school. Um, so would you mind sharing a little bit about what was most important to you, how you figured out how to yeah. decide on our school? I've been singing the same song to everybody I interact with, but it was the best school that gave me the most money. I thought, I thought about considering another school, but, um, again, I was looking at the bar passage rate and I knew where I wanted to be. I either wanted to be in California or Illinois and, the school that we go to was the best school that offered me the most money. And I knew that I either wanted to be in California or Illinois after I graduated. And in order to do that, like I had to look at the bar passage rate and I just felt more comfortable with the bar passage rate at this school in particular. Um, And honestly, everybody that I had, I had interacted with 
said really positive things. One of the things that stood out is one of the students that I talked to, and you should talk to students or current students. I talked to her too well. And she, she told me, she's like, I have never pulled an all-nighter. I have no plans to pull an all-nighter. And I love sleep. I go to bed between 10 and 10.30 every day. I have never pulled an all-nighter and I do not plan on pulling an all-nighter. And like having balance, she was like, I hang out with my friends. She's like, I came here knowing that I didn't want to be number one, but I wanted to do well. And I can do that without being number one and still having a balance. And I appreciated that. And also it wasn't a hyper-competitive environment. I didn't want people spilling water on my laptop to try to sabotage me. I don't come from money. So the mm-hmm. things that I have, like, I appreciate those things. And I'm not really in a position, especially now because I'm broke, to like buy, just up and buy a new $2,000 laptop. But I think in addition to that, like, I really like the atmosphere that we have with our classmates with the exception of maybe like four people in our class. That list is getting longer though. I know it was like <laughs> two people, but they, that woman, and you know who I'm talking about. I can't yeah. interact with her. She is the rudest, rudest person. It's, it's getting, okay, sorry. That's another episode, but. <laughs> yeah, but anyways, yeah. Um, I'm really happy with my decision. I don't think there's ever a point where I've regretted coming here. Um, but something to consider is, and I actually don't think people talk about this enough is you can go to a school if you want to be that big fish in that little pond and you can get like in that top, I don't know, 99 percentile, like one in 10. And I'm just throwing out numbers. These aren't statistics based mm-hmm. on anything. Mm-hmm. But we get you what can, you're saying. Yeah. If you can go there and you can be top ranks, you can definitely transfer. Like I know we had a student or one of our mentees in our program. She probably has the highest GPA in the school. She's a black woman. And I think mm-hmm. It is important that she knows that she has other options. Like she could be in the T5. Exactly. And I think, I think everything you said is super important because it's like, what is your priority? For me, it was very similar. It was rank because rank makes things easier. It was money. Well, because, I think you should ex- like, you should. Yeah. Dive Let into me elaborate that on that a little bit more. When I say rank makes things easier, what I mean is if you have someone and rankings are getting complicated now because uh, schools are dropping out of the rankings like hot fries. And mm-hmm. so the thing is, it's hard to say now what the rankings mean, but there are schools when you say the name, like the school in Connecticut or the school in Massachusetts, when you say their names, immediately you're in the door like you don't have to worry about much of anything and and even their grading system is like pass fail so like yeah and I'm not saying that like we we condone that but it's just the system in the world that we live in unfortunately unfortunately like these people going to this school will unfortunately probably get priority over either of us when exactly comes to applying for jobs because they care about that kind of stuff exactly they're you're pretty much guaranteed so that's why ranking is kind of important to me and not to knock the school that we go to but our school is at a position where it's like it's high enough to get us in the door of some places quicker than a lot of schools but it's something you should mm-hmm. think about and that's why money is really important to think about too Mm-hmm. Law school is extremely expensive so and the expensive. average amount of debt is outlandish. It's yeah. I I babysit for a woman who was like, oh, I just got the letter that my loans have been forgiven because I worked for the federal government for 10 years. She worked for the government for 10 years as a lawyer and her loans got forgiven. It was a mortgage worth of loans. That's so, and, you know, that interest builds up. <laughs> 
Exactly. And so, and the thing about it is if you have federal loans, there are two different types of federal loans with two different interest rates. There's also private loans that people have to take out that have different interest rates. And you have to keep all of that in mind. And those people want their money and they want it now. Um, And so you have to think about that. And so I think that's really important to think about. I think the big fish in a small pond thing is a very important thing to think about because if you're a big fish in a small pond, you will probably will have to pull those all-nighters because the thing about it is when you go to a school that's ranked at a certain level, you have to be top of your class to really be able to push yourself out and get opportunities versus going to a school that's a little ranked a little higher. You might not have to work as hard. Not that we aren't working hard. We're working damn hard, but you might not have to work as hard. And, and I think- Oh, go ahead. I was going to say the curriculums are different. So I was asking for, like, I was trying to figure out for a long time. I was like, what makes, like, what matters in ranking? And again, I don't know what you, what is it? U.S. News, I think that does. Uh, you, yeah. U.S. News. I, I actually do. I used to do rankings. Oh, oh uh, I didn't, <laughs> but I guess with that, when I learned, so I started talking to students who were at other ranked schools. And one of the things that stood out to me is a lot of the top ranked schools or some of the top ranked schools, they do have pass fails. They don't get actual grades, which exactly. I, mean, I would love that. But that is a, a, and I think it takes some pressure off of the learning process, but that's not the environment that I'm in. But something that I learned about schools that may be ranked a little lower or the people who I talked to who went to lower ranked schools is the curriculum is different. So what would be one doctrinal class, which is a core class during your 1L year, for us, that is one semester of content. And mm-hmm. how many cases would you say we go through in like on average in a class? I would say like a single class session. A single. No, no, no. Like the semester for like civil procedure. Ah, 50, 100. Exactly. <laughs> and I talked to somebody who went to a school that was like lower ranked and they said that they deep dive into 12 cases over the course of the semester. Now, you may be saying like, why does that matter? Because what we're, what I, from what I understand, the style of how we learn is we understand how rules can be applied over a series of different instances versus applying like the same rule in one case. And that helps for the bar exam because you have more of a comprehensive understanding of what the law is than like how it's applied in one instance. So that's something to keep in mind. And it's not every school, but it is something to keep in mind. And maybe something you even want to ask about if you're interviewing with a school or considering a school. Absolutely. Totally agree. I think it's super important to think about, you know, what what do these rankings mean? I briefly mentioned that I worked in rankings and I just want to briefly, you know, do a disclaimer about rankings. Rankings are historically racist, historically um, elitist, and they have they're based on that. And unfortunately, they set the tone for a lot of what we have to do. Um, so when we talk about rankings, we're not doing it easily. We're not doing it because we love being a part of this system. No, but it's a system that we have to navigate. So I think we but maybe we can change it one day or one of you can change it. I would love exactly. that. A world exactly. run by women of color, black women, oh. black women specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think. I think all of that to say, you have to figure out what's the most important factor for you. So I think a nice way to close out this episode would be talking about what was the most important factor to us when we made our decisions. I did not want to take on a ton of debt. You know, undergraduate debt was crippling for me. And I graduated high school when I was 17. Unfortunately, my father lied to me and told me that I couldn't choose the high school that I went to because I was a minor. That was a lie. So (laughs) he just sent me wherever he well, he sent me to like 
the, the school he wanted me to go to that was within driving distance. Me and my dad have a great relationship. He doesn't lie to me like that anymore. But with that <laughs> being said, I took on debt undergrad and I didn't understand what that meant. Mm-hmm. Having to pay that off as an adult, that took a lot of time. And I, honestly, I came into some circumstances that allowed me to do it. I paid off all of my uh, undergraduate debt when I was 27, which was a blessing. But being debt free, I was like, I can't believe that people have just been walking around the world, not paying like $500 a month to this random institution. And I was con- like determined not to do that again. So again, the best school that gave me the most money, my goal is to be as debt free as po- like debt free as soon as possible. Um, in addition to that, I knew again, what cities I wanted to be in. The last factor that I looked at uh, was the environment, whether they valued diversity, what their student body makeup was, and again, how portable my degree would be. Where could I practice with this degree from this particular school? It would be redundant for me to say my list because it's actually everything you just said. I'd only add on a little bit. Um, I had same experience. Money was very important. Um, Secondly, it's going off of community. I think you said it earlier, but I did not want to be in a space where I did not like the people I was going to school. School is very intense. I needed to be in a space where it was supportive and where there Mm -hmm. were people who I could lean on. That's Mm -hmm. actually, you know, what's really sad is like, we'll talk about this another episode, but our 1L year, I felt like there really was that community. And I feel Mm -hmm. like 1L year is the time where you need it the most. I think that's my experience and feeling like I have that community has since changed. Mm -hmm. But I think that it was important to me. And I think that's something I got and was helpful 1L year. I am so grateful that I can be a part of your community. I think you're such a special person. And I'm just, I'm very much looking forward to what you do. And being like, oh my gosh, I know her. I'm glad. Hopefully you'll still be my friend. You could be like, oh my gosh, that's my friend. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I'm grateful to have you as part of my community too. And um, we've lost some members along the way. I mean, I've lost some people that I- I was like, that was never my friend. But I've lost some members along the way, but I'm glad to have strength in the relationships I've had. Yeah. My friend calls it cutting friend fat. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes you got to cut that friend fat. And you're lighter. Exactly. And, and you're in law school and, right. and that's all that matters. So thank y'all for listening yeah. to this week's episode. We'll on catch the you next, later. On the next episode, we're going to be talking about the summer before 1L. What to do, what to prep. And what right. not to do. All right. Yes, 100%. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Falling out the window, then me back tomorrow.